I love wine, but sometimes it can get really expensive, which is why I'm so excited that today's episode is brought to you by Last Bottle Wines. If you don't know, they're a Napa-based online wine shop with a twist. They offer just one hand-picked wine per day until it sells out, which is often in hours. So new day, new wine, always at incredible prices. We're talking 30 to 70% off retail. And the best part is that there's no subscriptions, no fees, and no minimum purchase. Just a daily email with a really great wine. They're offering Datable listeners 10% off your first order with code Datable. And now is such a great time to join as their marathon sale is coming up on March 28th and 29th. They flip that one-day rule on its head and offer back-to-back deals, which means that wines are only up on the site for a couple minutes at a time and shipping is 100% free. They send us a mini marathon package of some of their favorites and let me tell you, they were delicious. Sign up at lastbottlewines.com and use the code DATABLE and find out why Last Bottle is the most fun way to discover and buy amazing wine. We are so thrilled to be partnering with Hinge. Hinge is the dating app designed to be deleted. As you all know, I'm a huge Hinge advocate as I met my partner of almost three years on the app. Even before meeting him, Hinge was always my go-to app because I met more relationship-minded people here and had some great dates. Clearly, I haven't been on the app for a little while, but I re-downloaded it to check out some of the new features. One that stood out to me was the voice prompt, my best friend's take on why you should date me, where your friend can hype you up. Not only does this make the profile creation less daunting, but it's not always easy to see your own green flags. So to test it out, I asked UA some fun prompts to get her take on what I could put if I was dating again. So the first one, how long have we known each other? What was your first impression of me and how has that changed? Julie and I have known each other for almost 10 years. My first impression of Julie was that she's very social, but I've learned that she has a lot more depth to her beyond the social butterfly that she is. My next prompt, what do you think are my green flags? I would say she's deeply loyal. She believes in love, curious mindset, and she is fearlessly ambitious. And then last but not least, what kind of friend am I? Julie is the kind of friend who will always have your back, no matter what. Damn, that feels nice to hear. So download Hinge and try voice prompts today. Then find someone worth deleting the app for. The Dateable podcast features real stories from real people of how they make modern dating work or not. Each episode will not only offer you a new perspective on dating, but will also change the way you date. I'm your host, Yue, former dating coach turned dating sociologist. You'll also hear commentary from my producer, Julie Kraftchik, and other surprise co-hosts. Hey, Dateable listeners. This episode covers the serious topic of domestic abuse. If you are in the same situation, we hope that you'll find this episode helpful, but we also encourage you to seek professional help. You can call the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-SAFE or, as always, 911 for any emergencies. This episode is a good reminder of the very real dangers of dating. We hope it can shed some awareness to help you and any loved ones. So here's the episode. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Dateable, a show all about modern dating. 
I'm going to cut straight to the chase today. We're talking about domestic violence and a topic we haven't talked about. And I think it's really important that we do bring up this topic. And our guest today, her name is Evie. How are you? I'm good. Hey, thanks for having me. Thanks for being on the show. Now, no she reached out to us via Instagram to bring up this topic and just a little background about who she is. She's 24 years old, currently lives in Sacramento. She's been there for six years, originally from Portland, and she's currently in a monogamous relationship. Now, she was in a, an abusive relationship for over four years. So in something that she wrote to us, she said, I want to educate listeners on the symptoms and dangers of being in an abusive relationship. I'm hoping that in my sharing my story, I can inspire someone out there to make better choices for themselves. Well, thank you for coming on because this definitely is a topic that we must discuss. Absolutely. Yay, thanks for having me. I know it's a little darker than the things you usually cover, but this is a real part of dating and so yeah. we need to keep people educated totally it's real real so we're getting we're getting real real here <laughs> yeah <laughs> too real <laughs> just to clarify your current relationship is not with the same person as the abusive relationship no okay. no way <laughs> thanks for clarifying julie <laughs> so like, tell us a little bit about your experience with your ex now don't let's not disclose too much personal information since he's not here on the show to talk about his side of the story but how did you guys meet and what were some of the earlier signs of abuse? Um, so basically, um, before I answer your question, I just wanted to reiterate that point that you just mentioned that we're only here to educate your listeners and educate the Dateable podcast community. You know, I'm not here to slander anyone mm -hmm. or to, I don't know if we can cuss on here. Oh, <laughs> feel free. free. Feel Please free. Oh, okay. I don't want, <laughs> I don't want to shit talk, you know, yeah. I don't want to run anyone's names in the mud or anything like that. I just want to hopefully just inspire and provide some insight to your listeners about this dating topic. So I just wanted to reiterate that. Thank you. But um, so we met under pretty good circumstances as far as dating goes when you're 18. Uh, I basically met him through my sister and through some mutual friends. It was sort of like I already had a little bit of family and friend approval before I even met him. Mm. And so that in itself made it really easy for me to pursue a relationship with him and maybe even trust him and things of that nature. And so that was basically how we met and we just hit it off really well and kept talking. Um, he actually courted me extremely well, probably during the first year and a half. And how old was he? he? You we... were 18 and how old was he? He was also 18. Oh, okay. wow. And he was, was, he knew how to court you? Okay. <laughs> right. That's a so red flag was... right there. <laughs> like he, before we were even dating, he was writing me poetry and creating oh, wow. artwork for me and missing some of his classes to come and see me and things of that nature. And so when you're 18, it's kind of like, oh yeah, you know, this guy's awesome. He's really into me. Right. But, you know, looking back now, it's kind of like, whoa, you know, he barely knew me and he was already doing so much. And so yep. it can definitely be a red flag. I even read a study or two about how 
there's some sort of inverse relationship between how good the courting process is versus the quality of the overall relationship long term. Mm. And so I thought that was what were they I mean, saying? <laughs> what were they saying that sometimes when people court more, it yeah. actually is isn't it... a positive? Yeah, sometimes they say that people tend to really put their best foot forward mm. and to really show out when they're trying to get something, but sort of when they lock it down is sort of when you start to see their true personality and their mm. true health. So it was kind of saying like, you know, if things are like really, really good, like beyond belief in the beginning, you know, it's not really indicative of how that relationship will be over time. Mm. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. So how far into your relationship did you start to see these signs of abuse? It was about a year and a half in. He had actually just moved in with me. Um, I was living in a really small, like three bedroom apartment. And um, he was here in Sac living on his own. But it actually became a situation where he was just not very good with his finances. And so I just basically offered for him to move in with me, hoping mm. that, you know, I'd be the good girlfriend on giving him a break. And he moved in with me about a year and a half in. I think it was basically from that point forward that things sort of started to deteriorate. And I sort of saw a lot of his true colors. I noticed a lot of lying just about small things like he had a small addiction to cigarettes that grew over time and he sort of had a bit of a drinking problem I think it was just substance abuse in general just like an addictive personality kind of thing and mm. so I sort of started to see that more and it even turned into you know calling me crazy and calling me paranoid whenever I voiced my concerns or found cigarette butts around my apartment and things like that and yeah I just started to notice more and more signs definitely at that year and a half mark when we started living together mm. and so you know just the extended amount of time we were around each other that I really started to notice those things when did the these symptoms progress into actual domestic violence uh it was definitely over time um so we were living together in that small three bedroom for about maybe six months and during that six months it was mostly just a lot of lying and you know hiding things behind my back and then sort of the gaslighting type of thing when I would try to bring it up. Our arguments about the cigarettes and alcohol turned into screaming types of arguments. Um, it turned into things like broken walls, holes punched in walls, broken doors. Um, sometimes he would go outside in a blind rage and I would lock the door because I was scared and he would slash his way back in through the screen door. Wow. Just things like that. There were only a couple of instances where it was physical, like hands on me, but I definitely quantify, you know, broken property or disrespect for property as a type of physical abuse, even though it's not against me you know, I could easily be that wall <laughs> or mm -hmm. be that. But a lot of definitely emotional in the sense of just a lot of lying for no reason. Uh, there are even instances where he would sell some of my things behind my back in order to make the rent. Or there was a case, cases of he'd have the money for the drugs and the alcohol, but then he wouldn't have the money to pay the bills. And so it was mm. sort of a little bit of financial abuse as well. And, um, you know, he's just finding any way to blame somebody else or any way to blame me for the things that are going on and, you know, making it seem like it's sort of my fault. 
his actions are my responsibility, basically. Mm. And so... Uh, and Evie, how were you handling this sort of abuse? It's hard to even handle that type of abuse when you're not even sure what abuse is, mm. if that makes sense. Especially if you're I 18. Yeah. And this is like your first like yeah. adult relationship. Right. It's hard. I don't know where in my life I would have gotten education on this type of topic unless it was from possibly parents who could predict that kind of thing or somebody who had also been through the same thing. But typically people aren't really educated about these types of things and how to deal with people, especially when you're at the point of living with them and you have financial responsibilities together. So I just didn't really have much knowledge on the topic. And so I spent a lot of time just doing a lot of research. Um, I listened to podcasts like this. I read Reddit and things like that and just tried to get some insight on how other people felt about the things I was also feeling or how they dealt mm. with a situation or like, I don't know how many times I looked up, like my boyfriend lies to me a lot. What should I do? <laughs> you know, <laughs> things like that. It's, I just had no clue what was really going on. And so it's even harder to say, okay, how can I deal with it? So it was basically just a lot of research and a lot of just trying to figure out um, what was going on. <laughs> you bring up a very good point, which is how do we define abuse? Because how media portrays abuse is hands-on. Basically, the cops are being called right. and they're thrown in jail. Something v very extreme. How would right. you personally define abuse? That's such a good question. Um, there, abuse is such an umbrella term to me just because... I feel like it can manifest itself in so many ways. And while abusers have a lot of similar tendencies, like selfishness or um, gaslighting or not taking any responsibility for their actions and things like that, these types of things can happen in a lot of areas right. of life. They can happen between, they can happen between friends, you know. You can have a supervisor at work who's using their power to abuse you financially, or, you know, it can be parents to child it can be teacher to child I guess abuse to me is you know obviously if you're in a relationship with someone and there's an instance where a guy smacks the girl in the face then okay yeah that's obviously abuse but some of the more subtle things I feel like would have to persist over time and if somebody voiced that concern like I don't like when you do that and they continued to still do it and didn't really have a regard for your feelings I think that's when it really becomes abuse is when it becomes more repetitive definitely when there's a disregard for someone's feelings some of the yeah. general definitions online would say domestic abuse is when the abuser believes what they're doing is an entitlement it's acceptable and justified so that's interesting mm, that it yeah. defines it from their mindset and there are many categories of abuse but it includes physical verbal emotional economic religious reproductive and sexual wow. so there's many different forms and like you said mm -hmm. there was also financial abuse in your yeah. case and that definitely is mm -hmm. one case interesting of that. can you share that story that you mentioned to me on the phone about the nightclub that was near the ending of our relationship basically he's like uh, an artist really into that and so i sort of set us up to go out to san francisco for an art show and sell some art and everything 
I don't know why, but that day was a particularly bad day for him. Um, he was just very standoffish the whole day. And even at the event, he was um, really cold towards me and just had a bad attitude about the whole thing. Um, we were staying at an Airbnb and he was also just extremely rude and inconsiderate to our host. And uh, to the point where the host even had to pull me aside and be like, oh, you know, I don't know about your guy here, but oh, wow. you know, I'll let you guys stay around just because you already paid, you know. So wow. like, yeah. And so um, basically later that night, we all went out, me and my friends and him all went out drinking to this nightclub out in San Francisco. And we were all having a good time. We're all dancing together. And so there was a point in time where like, uh, like I'm dancing with him and then I'm dancing with other people. He's dancing with other girls, whatever. And it's just fun. But at some point he was dancing with this one girl and probably the next hour or so after he was done dancing with her and we were back together, he was sort of, I felt like he was sort of trying to push us towards her direction or he was trying to get more looks from her or always trying to get near her and so it was just something that caught my attention and so after all the arguments we'd been through I kind of learned you know there's a way that you have to approach him in order to avoid a blowout and most of the time that tactic never worked usually no matter what I did I was gonna get yelled at or something bad was gonna happen but I tried really really hard to stay calm and to try to address my concerns in a way that was non-confrontational. And so when I tried to talk to them about it in the nightclub, I remember so clearly trying to be so calm and trying to just say how I felt. And I just said, you know, I noticed that you keep trying to take looks at that girl and I'm feeling a little bit jealous. So those are my exact words, my exact mm -hmm. tone. <laughs> like I tried so hard and he basically just blew up. And I don't even really know why you would blow up at something like that, unless what I was saying was true and maybe he was feeling defensive or mm -hmm. something. Yeah. It's, um, he totally blew up and he was screaming in the nightclub, like, who are you talking about? What are you talking about? You're crazy. You know, calling me every name in the book, uh, screaming to the point where like, it's getting embarrassing. And so I have to sort of lead him outside and be like, stop yelling, stop yelling. Like we're in public, <laughs> stop yelling. And, you know, we go outside and he's still just screaming at the top of his lungs, just so angry. But yeah, he was screaming to the point where the bouncer had to tell us like, he he literally told me like you guys are scaring the customers you guys have to like go somewhere oh, wow. so um our friends ended us ended up calling us an uber and so me and him are in the car with some of our friends going back to our friend's house and he's still even in the car they <laughs> i can't believe how embarrassing this is. even in the car he's still sort of talking in a raised voice but it's basically yelling since we're inside a car and they even try to turn up the music so the to sort of drown him out but like i'm sitting on his lap so he's basically just in my ear like totally wow just yelling as the music is blaring. And so we get back to the house and all of our friends go inside, but he's still fuming. And so I'm just sort of standing outside trying to take it, trying to calm him down, like really just in shock because I don't, I've never dealt with this kind of situation before. And I don't, I'm not in the business of calming people down. <laughs> so I didn't know how to approach it. And so eventually I just try to walk away. He's calling me all these crazy names and stuff. So I just 
trying to walk away from him and call my own ride. And he basically just grabs me, grabs my arm and then grabs me by the shoulders and just shoves me down into the ground. And I think as he's doing that, he's saying like, stop and listen to me or something. And I just get shoved into a pile of dirt on the streets of San Francisco at 2 a.m. I'm sure everyone can hear because it's like dead quiet and he's like the loudest screaming you could think of. And then he's also drunk, so it's even louder. And um, yeah, I mean, I get up and I have cuts and everything and I basically just try to walk away and he walks away. So I call my Lyft to go back to my Airbnb and these three guys even came up to me. They kind of saw the whole thing and they were like, are you okay? Like, you know, what's going on? Do you need help? And I was just like, no, you know, I'm just trying to get home. Um, and so I find my lift and I get in and at the last second, he also runs in because he doesn't have any way to get home. And even when we get back to the Airbnb, he's still yelling. There's a point back at the Airbnb where he is on top of me, holding me down, telling me to listen to him and calling me crazy, calling me crazy as he's holding me down on the ground. Right. Mm. I'm <laughs> so, sorry you had to go through that. It was just a lot. Like, I don't want to ramble, but it was a, the longest night of my life. So <laughs> you stayed in this relationship for four years. What stopped mm-hmm. you from leaving this relationship? There were a few reasons. Uh, one of the biggest ones was probably and I learned about this a lot in therapy actually was um I always had this thought of oh you know things were so good in the beginning mm, I want things yeah. to back to the way things were I wish things were like the way they were you know when we first met back in 2012 um and my therapist really drilled into me like you need to live in the present more so that right. you can see things for what they are objectively instead of hoping for the future or hoping for the Mm. past you know I definitely feel like I was living in the past and hoping to get back to that with him and just not being realistic and was he also offering you maybe words of affirmation along the way apologizing um, oh sure yeah yeah. it was redeeming himself I'm sure there was good mixed in as well right yeah 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 and that's what makes it so hard it's like it was a total roller coaster like we had awesome days together and we had days you know the makeup days were always so good when we would just nothing would really get resolved but we Mm. would just sort of you know not look back and forget about it yeah Yeah. whatever um makeup sex whatever but yeah there's definitely a lot of good days which is what you always sort of cling to yeah and you know when you get to a bad moment you're kind of like oh well you know it'll go back to being good eventually the bad just started to outweigh the good by so much that there was just not much good left but there was definitely a long period of time probably the whole time before last summer that um it was definitely a lot of ups and downs So So how did you finally get out of the relationship? I attribute a lot of my newfound knowledge and just getting my head back on my shoulders. I attribute a lot of that to therapy, honestly. Mm -hmm. Um, 
after everything happened last summer between me and him, I finally went to therapy through my school. You know, it was my therapist that taught me about uh, mindful meditation and living in the present and seeing things objectively. And uh, he was one that told me straight up, you have to accept someone for their whole package. You know, you can't just only see the good in people and just forget about the bad. Like, yeah, he treats you really good. And yeah, you know, when he wants to be, he can be really emotionally available and things like that but he also put his hands on you and so you have to realize that it's better to have none of it than to have it and to also be be dealing with such highs and lows like I'd rather just (laughs) be hands off from it and so uh, it was definitely my therapist that helped me to see it that way Mm -hmm. and it was after that talk I went home and I broke it off like I don't think I would have even gotten to that point had it not been for talking to a professional and what was his reaction when you broke it off he (laughs) he just went off like I did it through text I basically said you know, I need space. Um, It was kind of just like a test for me. I really felt like I did need the space, but I didn't exactly break things off. I was sort of just like, you know, I need space and some time to think about stuff. Like we've been through a lot and I just don't feel like I can do that with you always around. And so it wasn't even really a true breakup, but he went crazy. Uh, For the next five days, he was calling and texting me nonstop, like to the point where I had to block his number just because my phone never stopped buzzing always calling me um called me every name in the book and then went from that to being super remorseful and every tactic in the book to try to elicit some type of response from me and you know it was from that reaction that I was like oh my god this is what I've been dealing with this whole time like this is Mm. this is who he really is and you know it was the perfect thing that I needed to finally say to myself like I can't do this anymore so then did you kick him out how did this work oh no by that point um we weren't living together we actually moved apart Uh, near the end of last summer. Yeah, by then we were living in our own separate places. And I think that by itself just gave me the space that I needed to really think about everything that had gone down and really value my alone time and value um, just having my space back. And uh, so, yeah, that definitely made it a lot easier for me to break things off is not having the financial dependency on him for rent or having Mm -hmm. to see him when I got home and things like that. Did your friends and family know about the abuse? Yeah, they knew a little bit. I sort of started opening up to them when things kind of were just starting to get a little rocky between us, but I soon stopped going to them just because Mm. I saw how the things that I was complaining about was making them not like him. And to me, I thought, oh, you know, I should just keep it to myself because I really want them to like him him and Mm -hmm. my dream is that we can all live happily ever after it's all gonna be good but obviously that was not realistic but I thought that maybe holding my problems to myself would keep things more private and when things blow over between him and I they would be able to like him again but um I'll tell you right now once you start complaining about a guy to your friends or your sisters and stuff there's no turning back no oh yeah even outside of abuse per (laughs) se yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. so you mentioned that you learned a lot from this relationship what were some specific things that you took away from this experience I definitely learned that you 
you can't change people. <laughs> like as much as you want to, as much as you see potential in someone or as much as you want to go back to how things once were or you're hoping for the future, um, you have to really take people as they are and you can't try to impose your will on them or you can't try to um, get them to act a certain way by doing X, Y, or Z. You really just have to let people come as they are and then act accordingly based on that instead of based on what you wish for, for them or for your relationship with them or whatever. Just being more objective whenever you're in relationships. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And now you're in a monogamous relationship that's abuse free. So how are you able to recover from this past relationship. Time to take a quick break so I can tell you about the cute clothes I've been buying from ModCloth. First of all, I just got a sweatshirt that says no problema on it, okay? And it has a llama on it, of course. How freaking adorable. Not to mention how soft it is. And now that the weather is getting warmer, I'm eyeing some cute swimsuits and skirts. At ModCloth, there's no such thing as an ordinary outfit. Crafted by a team of in-house designers, their signature styles include hand-drawn prints, standout silhouettes, and inclusive size ranges from double zero to 28. And did you know they also carry wedding dresses as well as bridesmaids dresses? All from their bridal boutique. The best part is they offer complimentary styling and fitting help from their team of mod stylists. So for dateable listeners only, you get 15% off your purchase of $100 or more. Just go to modcloth.com and enter the code dateable at checkout. That's M-O-D-C-L-O-T-H dot com and enter the code D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E at checkout to get 15% off your purchase of $100 or more. This offer is valid for one-time use only and expires on July 6th of this year. All right, now back to the show. So how are you able to recover from this past relationship? Um, Like I said, it definitely took a lot of therapy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, it was <laughs> during my last semester of school, I was only in a couple of classes. So like the rest of my free time was devoted to enrolling myself in a variety of therapy classes. I was in anxiety management. I was in a women's group and just all these different things. And so I feel like talking about it and talking about it with people who have your best interest at heart, sometimes. I feel like it can be hard to discuss with family or friends because, you know, they have biases and or also they, they think... don't have an experience too. Sometimes right. it's hard to relate if you haven't had it happen yourself. Right. And so talking to these people who are trained to speak on these things and trained to tell you the right things definitely helped. Uh, I feel like I got a ton of really bad advice from, you know, friends or whoever. Talking about it to the right people was a big part of my recovery. Um, also just doing more research and educating myself so that I could be more vigilant for myself was a big part of recovering It's just learning about what I went through and how I can prevent it for next time and how I can feel like I know enough where I can protect myself. Um, you know, listening to these podcasts or even hearing songs about women in crappy relationships, you know, sort of gave me something to relate to and helped me to know that I wasn't alone in this and that um, as sad as it is it's common and there are people out there who can help you and give you insight and I think it was 
getting a lot of that insight from various sources helped me to understand it and also just to accept it. I'm going to read off some statistics because I think we need to be reminded of some yeah. of these numbers. So on average, this is according to the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence. Okay, so some of the stats are on average, nearly 20 people per minute are physically abused by an intimate partner in the U.S. During one year, this equates to more than 10 million women and men. Wow. One in three women and one in four men have been victims of some sort of physical violence by an intimate partner within their lifetime. On a typical day, there are more than 20,000 phone calls placed to domestic violence hotlines nationwide. Wow. <laughs> intimate partner wow. violence accounts for 15% of all violent crime. Only 34% of people who are injured by intimate partners receive medical care for their injuries. And here are some consequences. I thought this is kind of interesting. Economically, victims of intimate partner violence lose a total of 8 million days of paid work each year. Oh, wow. Mm. Just from like recovery or from therapy recovery. or whatever it is. Yeah. Between right. 21 to 60% of victims of intimate partner violence lose their jobs due to reasons stemming from the abuse. Wow. That's crazy. That if you're so distraught, like how can you go to a job and like work? So it's not as easy as, oh, just seek help or right. leave the relationship. There are so many more mm -hmm. consequences. Yes, yes, yes. There's so many parts. And it automatically, when you mentioned uh, people missing days off work, I don't know how many, I don't know how I finished school, honestly, because I don't know how many days of class that I missed. Um, worrying about my relationship with this guy or yeah. you know we're up all night fighting so I spend all day sleeping or like I'm not mm. studying so I'm not getting the grades that I should be getting and I'm like you know I'm I've definitely failed a class or two because of instances between my ex and I so I definitely <laughs> well the amount of mental yeah, bandwidth that it takes yeah. up like it's not just the physical yes. it's like or in the moment when someone's abusing you verbally it's like mm -hmm. thinking about it and like having it carry over to all other times, even when you're not yeah. with that person. It's all consuming. Mm -hmm. So what advice would you give to someone who's maybe going through a similar situation or seeing early signs of abuse in their relationship? Uh, I would definitely, um, like I said before, um, and I'm still even educating myself on the topic now, education about this type of stuff, I feel like is really important especially for young people, you know, as you're navigating through relationships, it's important to know, uh, you know, people always look up, what are the signs of uh, someone who might cheat, you know, but I feel like it's really important to also recognize, you know, what are the basic signs of abuse or what is mm -hmm. abuse as it pertains to a romantic relationship. Uh, I became a lot upon the term narcissism when I started looking oh, up a lot yeah. of my symptoms. And I was like, narcissism, like, what is it? What is that? I don't even really know what that is. And as I read more about other people's experiences and definitions and things like that, like knowledge is power. Yeah. <laughs> and if you can know those types of things, you know, before you get too wrapped up in someone, you save yourself a lot of trouble for sure. I think with the uh, point that you made about what your therapist said, that you have to see someone for their whole mm -hmm. and you can't just cling to the past or what the future mm -hmm. is really Or the good part. Yeah, exactly. The objective yeah. nature that you just said and recognizing mm -hmm. signs that aren't suiting well. 
And I think mm-hmm. the, the definition you read, UA, that it's like beyond just physical. I think a lot of times we think of physical abuse. Yeah, definitely. And I feel like there's more awareness growing around the topic, especially these days with Me Too and just all the crazy stuff that's going on between people out there. But it's still definitely something that needs to be talked about more just so people can be vigilant for themselves. Um, For people who are seeing early signs, I would say, one, treat yourself like you would treat a friend. And as cliche as that sounds, if I would have done something like that, I would have saved myself a whole bunch of trouble. Because if my friend would have came to me and said, oh, my God, my boyfriend just punched in a wall and threw my bike down the stairs, I would be like, run the other way. (laughs) Like, I will help you. What do you need? Like, I will help you get out of there right now. Like, this is not cool. And so if I would have given myself that same treatment and that same objective outlook, I definitely would have saved a lot of trouble. Mm. Um, I would also say to them, I found that a lot of the reason that I put up with a lot of the stuff that I went through I had some negative experiences from my childhood that I won't go into, but I feel like a lot of trauma from me growing up sort of carried into my relationships, you know, since I've been 18. Uh, I feel like I dealt with a lot more than I should have. And I think maybe it's because I sort of dealt with and internalized so much growing up that I didn't realize, I didn't realize that it wasn't okay for someone to call me names. I didn't realize that it wasn't okay for someone to raise your voice at you all the time because I was kind of used to that kind of thing. And so it's hard to say what's right and wrong when you're when you don't know. <laughs> and so That's why um, therapy is so amazing, even like yeah. preventative when like before things like this happen, just to like understand yourself and get to the root of like early childhood issues. Mm-hmm. So you do kind yep. of have a stance of like what works for you and what is acceptable behavior. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it should be so much more proactive. Like I feel like I went to therapy as like a last resort. Like right. if this doesn't work, I might not be around much longer, but that should have been like my first stop, maybe even before I even moved in with the guy was yeah, to right. really dismantle a lot of those things and try to avoid a lot that I went through. <laughs> I think it's a lot of people's last resort or it comes mm-hmm. at a point when it's triggered by something, not as a preventative right and yeah for both parties abusers and people who take it on I feel like if that were reversed everyone would have a lot less of this type of drama in their lives for sure and it's also one of those things is like domestic violence the physical abuse part is when it's a little late yeah because they always they have these reports and, and studies that say you know in a lot of these cases the earlier signs are non-physical abuse, which is a disrespect of something. So disrespect of um, an object, like you were saying, he was throwing stuff around or a disrespect mm-hmm. of the family finances. And that eventually develops into the physical abuse. So if we can recognize those earlier signs, yeah. then we can prevent what we see on TV. That's a good point. Cause that sounds exactly yeah. in line with your experience too. Mm-hmm. So I guess your current relationship, I'd love to hear more about that and how that's different and how you got there. Like, how were you able to trust again? 
I could imagine that would be really hard. <laughs> um, yeah, my current boyfriend, he's awesome. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm just like smiling right now. Because so... one, he's not abusive. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't yell. <laughs> I've never once like even heard him raise his voice, let alone towards me. Um, yeah, it's funny. We actually met on Tinder, which is like the last thing you would expect <laughs> out of a decent relationship. Um <laughs> But I, I kind of appreciate it just because I feel like we came together in a very casual way. You know, we went through Tinder, so it was kind of just like, oh, okay, you know, yeah, let's hook up. And we sort of just like hooked up for a while, whatever. As we hung out more and more, we just realized like, oh, you're actually really cool and I enjoy your company and you're easy to talk to. So we just continued to sort of see each other for more than just sex. And eventually we were like, okay, yeah, <laughs> I don't feel like seeing anybody else. <laughs> we can just keep doing this. Um, but I feel like coming together in that very casual way took a lot of pressure off of us to try to to try to court each other or to try to really do our best to impress each other and you know try to su suppress our bad parts and really heighten our good parts we didn't really not say we didn't care about each other but right like not so much as you do when you meet someone that you like before maybe you have sex like maybe you start building up all these expectations and you know the guy's courting you so that you can see his best qualities so that hopefully you guys can like uh, you know, get together for sex or whatever. But I feel like since we were so casual, there wasn't so much of an expectation to for him to try to do some grand gestures for me or for me to try to do the same. It was just very casual. And that, you know, at any time we could have been like, you know, whatever, I don't feel like doing this bye. And I feel like, you know, even with no expectations or anything, we still wanted to see each other. So I felt like that sort of said a lot. But yeah, I definitely find that I, a lot of my insecurities from my last relationships sort of pour into this one. Um, even just with little instances, for example, um, my ex would be the type to wake up at weird times of the night and uh, go outside for long periods of time. And, you know, to me, I'm thinking, okay, he's probably out there running around you know, getting cigarettes and he's probably going to come back with some weird lie. And he always did. And it was just, you know, just a total breach of trust and transparency. And so I, these days my boyfriend will wake up in the middle of the night and go he's like, like in the bathroom yeah, <laughs> just, just, just go and do anything and I'm like what is he doing behind my back you know right. something's got to be happening behind my back you know it's almost like an instinct just like a learned behavior for me almost but yeah well he's extremely transparent with me and I have no reason to not trust him and so um as I'm staying vigilant for myself I'm also just like trying to stay cool <laughs> <laughs> trying to uh like I said before just take it as it comes and just act accordingly but I've I have no reason to question him or he's done some things for me in these past few months that I can never even ask of my ex for over four years you know what right. I mean and so um I think it's, it's just total 180 <laughs> from where I <laughs> I think it's interesting because you your favorite quote you we are all each other's consequences yeah. I think that definitely plays in it's like it's hard even if someone is giving you all signs that they are a good person and aren't doing it if you've learned to 
think a certain way. It's really hard to undo that. And that's why therapy can continue to help you get to a point where you're not thinking the worst and negative things because of past experiences. Yes. Mm -hmm. And it even goes farther than my relationship with him. Like I see myself doing that with even friends or even new people that I Mm -hmm. meet having super bad trust issues. And so, yeah, like you said, just trying to dismantle those things with someone that knows what they're doing, I feel like is really important well you can't like unlearn four and a half years in like yeah it'll probably take four and a half (laughs) yeah exactly yeah and I talk to my boyfriend about this stuff all the time like he I I feel like the biggest difference between him and my ex is just his openness and his willing to really talk to me at length about these issues so that we can really try to come to a place that we both understand and we both feel good whereas my ex was always just quick to get defensive or yell or mm-hmm. you know do something that you know punch in a wall you know try to do something that would sort of not really give any progress to the conversation and so I really appreciate that just the transparency and the maturity that I get from my boyfriend right now shall we move on to some takeaways yeah I just from... want to thank you for being so like honest and open Absolutely. about sharing this as well thanks <laughs> I feel like I've just been here rambling but I feel no, like it's been very helpful <laughs> I think I feel like talking about it is powerful for me. And I feel like knowledge is just important in general. It was because of these types of podcasts and the TED Talks and things like that that really helped me to understand what I was going through. And so I just hope that I can give that kind of knowledge to somebody else. And And I think that goes right into my takeaway, which is sometimes we don't know what we're feeling. So we Mm kind of need a definition or a label for it. And for Mm -hmm. something as sensitive as this topic, domestic abuse, if you really think about it, it is when your partner inflicts some sort of pain or trauma onto you knowingly and they justify and they feel entitled to it. That's abuse and Mm -hmm. that could come in Mm -hmm. many different forms. So if you feel like very uneasy in a relationship, Mm -hmm. even though that person hasn't touched you, there's no physical abuse, there's still probably an abusive component to it so Mm -hmm. start like you said Efi, just you gotta you you gotta really educate yourself and put a label on what you're going through Mm -hmm. almost like a diagnosis and then it's like okay what's the symptoms okay how do we treat this (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i think my biggest takeaway is like look at all the facts i think a lot of times i like the whole part you were talking about with courting is really interesting to me Mm -hmm. so i think sometimes Mm -hmm. we get so focused on like nice gestures at the beginning and i'm not saying that they're not good to do but like Mm -hmm. it's not everything and i think sometimes Mm -hmm. like you were saying your current relationship has been a little more casual and low maintenance but it sounds like it got real faster so sometimes Mm -hmm. like the exterior isn't always the interior and holding on to the good is not the full picture either so it's looking at objectively like you kept saying and then again like I think the part that you mentioned of like if a friend came to me and said this stuff like what would I say like I think it's It's oftentimes easier to give people advice than follow it yourself. But especially if stuff like this is happening, that like that is signs of abuse, like looking at it more cut and dry is a much more effective way than emotionally. And Mm -hmm. if you're a friend who sees someone in your life going through this, I think it is our responsibility to say something. Yeah. And that could be a hard conversation, but Mm -hmm. it can really make or break something. Definitely. Um, And then just being able to receive 
receive that information as well. Like I know for me, when people did try to tell me, you know, I think he might be abusing you, or I think there might be something going on here that you don't see. You know, I was really quick to disagree. You know, I didn't want to, I almost laugh like abuse. No, it can't be abuse, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. but (laughs) you, I feel like if I would have listened to my friends and family from that more objective standpoint, I definitely could have avoided a lot of this drama. And so um, I guess my takeaway could be, yeah, listen to the people that you trust. If you're going to a friend or a family member talking about these issues and they try to tell you like it is, try to really listen to them and to really um, think about the things that they said and figure out what type of course of action you can take. I think my other takeaway is like sometimes in not even just abusive relationships, but in Mm. relationships as a whole, we're attracted to these ones that have these really high highs that follow by low lows and like Mm -hmm. slow and steady and more consistent people are often looked at sometimes as more boring or not as interesting. But Mm -hmm. it's really, again, back to that like objective standard that like if you are facing these high highs and low lows you need to look at this like holistically and understand Mm -hmm. if this is really the like a relationship that you want to be in for the long term is it sustainable and if you find yourself constantly defending your partner in front of your family and friends there is something wrong that's a major red flag (laughs) agreed even when you said when you're telling your story and you said I was I stopped telling my my right. friends and family about him because I wanted them to like him. That's a red flag too. Agreed. You shouldn't yep. spend all of your time defending your partner. Exactly. Yeah, I did a lot a lot of that and um it can quickly turn into isolation is what yeah. it turned into for me because eventually people are like we told you to leave him. <laughs> like, right. Why are you still what are you doing, you know, and you know, eventually your self-esteem is so low and everything's so low that it's like, oh, you know, I don't want to hear it. And you start to tune people out and cut people out. Right. Yeah. It's just a vicious cycle for sure. Well, thank you so much again for being just so open and honest on here. And would love to like hear more about your song that's coming out yeah, around this you're topic. you're an artist yourself. And... Tell us more. Yay, I make music. Uh, so a big part of what helped me to move forward and to figure out everything about this relationship was through music. Um, just like the day after we moved apart and I finally had my own space, I was trying to get back in my own headspace. I was listening to, I'm really big on music. So I was listening to a lot of music like usual. And for some reason, <laughs> Google Play just wanted to play songs after song about you know fuck that guy that really <laughs> you know Dua Lipa's new rules and shit oh like my that. God. just like those total like women empowerment songs I was like oh my god like yes this is exactly what I needed to know <laughs> Once I finally broke things off, like feelings just started pouring out of me. And so the best way that I really knew how to deal with it was just to, you know, let's make it into a song. Let's write a song about this. I just wrote a crap ton of songs (laughs) about um, my experiences and just the way I was feeling. And so I was like, maybe I can you know, maybe I can be that sort of inspiration for someone out there through my music, just how Dua Lipa was for me. And so um, 
Yeah, I've been writing songs. Um, I've written a couple of songs on the topic. I only have three singles right now on Spotify, so I'm working on building That's still that. Pretty collection. damn good. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to build that collection. I am releasing my next song called "Nicer Than You," and it's basically the main line in the song is. The world has never been nice. It's never been fair, but it's nicer than you. That basically relates to the idea that a lot of the times in abusive relationships, you'll get to the point where the abuser will say things like, you can't get another guy. You know, you're not good enough for other guys. You can't uh, navigate the world without me. You know, what are you going to do without me? You need me. There was even a point where I was ending things with my ex where he, after everything that went through with us, he actually texted me and said something like you're gonna realize that I really loved you and it's gonna be too late and I'm like what <laughs> like you I don't even know what love is and that makes no sense and so the song basically uh relates to the idea of I'd rather deal with whatever the world has to dish out for me or whatever comes as a result of ending things with you than staying with you for another fucking second like I would rather deal with being being single and being alone and whatever else the world has to throw at me than having to mess around with you any longer. And so that was basically the idea behind this one. Awesome. Right. And where can we, where can we find your singles? Uh, they're on Spotify. I go by Efi Yellow. So it's my first name, I-F as in Frank, Y, and then the word yellow. It's all one word. Um, I am everywhere. I... If you just Google me, <laughs> I'm on Spotify and Google Play and iTunes. Um, I'm on Instagram under the same name, Facebook under the same name, Tumblr, what else? <laughs> Basically every social media. <laughs> I'm really excited about it. I feel like it's just empowering for me to try to spread this type of knowledge in a way that people can understand, which is through song. And so hopefully it can reach someone who can get inspired and make better choices for themselves. Fantastic. Cool. Um, so let's wrap this up. Thank you again for being here and, you know, for telling us a story and being so honest and courageous with your story. We want to encourage more listeners to tell us your stories as well. We're here to share and listen. Yeah. And the more we can get this out there, the more we can learn from each well, other and not feel so alone. Yeah, I think like what if he was saying, like, sometimes you feel like you're in your own world with yeah. these types of topics. So the more we can have conversations about them on the podcast, the, you don't know who else you're helping that could be in the same situation. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Absolutely. Yep. So we're, if we can reach one person, even one person can just like grow, plant a seed in their head that grows into something positive. Then I did my work. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So we are still looking for guests for upcoming seasons. We love to have you as a guest on our show. Reach out to us if you like to tell us your story. And on that note, we're going to wrap this up. Stay table. Your action item for this week is to have a little check-in, whether with yourself if you're not currently in a thing with someone or with your partner if you are in a thing. This is purely a check-in to talk about what is going well and what isn't. Look at your situation holistically, not just the good stuff and not just the bad stuff. It's always good to have a little check-in to recognize any unhealthy behavior, which may be coming from your partner or yourself. And if you recognize that you are in an abusive relationship, seek help. 
there are tons of free resources out there, including the National Domestic Abuse Hotline. You can find that at thehotline.org, where you can live chat or call 1-800-799-SAFE, spelled S-A-F-E. And here's a clip from Ify's new song that she mentions in the episode called Nicer Than You. You want forgiveness and move forward But I thought I told you that it's fucking over You really had it, your chances threw them all to the ground And you told me lies And that's when I realized that Want to continue the conversation? First, tag us in any post with hashtag StayDatable. Then head on over to our website, datablepodcast.com. There you'll find all the episodes as well as articles, videos, and our coaching services with vetted industry experts. You can also find our premium Y series where we dissect, analyze, and offer solutions to some of the most common dating conundrums. To connect with us, find Datable Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We're also downloadable on Spotify, iTunes, and other podcast platforms. Your feedback is valuable to us, so don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes. And most importantly, remember to stay dateable.